Well, that was really amazing what you did for us there. Thank you so much for, for honoring Steve and I in that way. Um, obviously, they did that in the first service, so I was aware of it, but we weren't aware of it at all before, we, before it happened this morning to us. But it's interesting because what I have to share with you this morning, you would think that I was aware was what was going to happen. Because our theme, we're changing our kind of series. Our series is Welcome Home. And if you haven't got a leaflet or you haven't got teaching notes, put your hand up now, they'll come to you. And the Connect team will make sure that you get some teaching notes. Keep your hands up. Yeah, great. So our series is called Welcome Home. You see, I was going to tell you a little bit, and still am, about when Steve and I first came here to Cambridge. We came in 1994, and uh, we've actually got a photo to show you of what we looked like in 1994. So let's have a look. How cute is that? (laughs) So Steve indeed did have hair, and it was very dark. And a lot of people say I don't look very different in many ways, but I am a different person, and I'm not as young-looking as I was, obviously. But look at that cardigan. Josh's cardigan is just so cool. Who said that orange and ginger hair couldn't go together? I just, like, rocked it. And Me- Becky looks very cute there. Very cute. So. so that's in 1994. We came down for a weekend to Cambridge to come and see what it would be like. And then when we went back home, we went to a studio and had some photos taken and so that we could give to our family and friends. It's actually still our address. And it's still off the office phone number on our home phone number after 23 years later. Obviously, we don't like very much change, do we? So four years after that, we had uh, an addition to our family, our little treasure called Megan. So didn't she look very cute? So she's about two at that age. This was the time where she did have her uh, cute curls. Um, She did actually play hairdressers with a friend one time. And uh, the friend had been learning about hairdressing and playgroup and decided they would practice on each other. So I picked her up, and there was no curly hair left after that, but which is a bit sad. But she looked very cute with her curly hair at the age, too. Our little Megan Grace. Those of you who don't know, Megan is in Australia now. She's actually gone out to Hillsong College. And um, if you want to know what she's doing, have a look on our Facebook page or on Steve's. And uh, there's a, a recent kind of post, a blog post there, and a video of what she's up to, so you can find out there. But us in Cambridge, many years ago, 1994, my first impressions of Cambridge, I decided that this place called Cambridge was full of people who drank red wine. <laughs> I discovered red wine by coming to Cambridge, and it was full of educated people. You've got to remember, I was from the north, and I was brought up with Blue Nun, And hock, you know, that was it. Sunday lunchtime, that's what we had on our dinner table. But they did strange things as well. When you went to their house, they all took their shoes off. And they'd all have a great big pile of shoes in the front, uh, in the hall. We didn't do that up north. We were really quite happy to keep our shoes on because it kept our feet warm because it was so cold. It's definitely colder up in the north. But the natives are really friendly. In fact, I found the natives a lot more friendly up north than when I first came here to Cambridge. I remember one of the very first events that I went to. We, uh, it was a 30th birthday party. And this guy was very much into theatre and into drama. And uh, he decided for his 30th birthday party that he was going to have a medieval-themed banquet. 
So we all had to dress up as medieval people, and we ate medieval food. So we had figs and roast pork and mead to drink. We even had sawdust on the floor of Alpha Terrace, and we had a juggler in the back of the hall, and even animal sounds that would be translated throughout the evening. We'd have hogs going in the background. It was all very, very you know, well-organized and theatrical. We, we had to dress up. I thought, what am I going to wear? to a medieval banquet. Unfortunately, just, I don't quite know how this worked, but just so happened that Steve's mum had a dress in the attic that was really medieval style, and so I had something to wear, and I thought I'd wear this dress, and I thought, well, what's Steve going to wear? What am I going to do, you know, how's he going to dress up? So I thought I was quite prophetic at this time. I decided to get my sewing machine out, and even in those days, I could see of the vision of what was to come. I dressed him as a monk. <laughs> so he had this bald head, we had an artificial bald head, looked a little bit like, no, no, I won't say that because he went like that. I remember I was going and having a great time with it, this medieval evening. It was the first thing that I helped to organize, I organized the gift. So everyone that was invited to this banquet, I gathered some finances and I decided that I would buy the gift and I thought that I was a genius. I went to a place called Pastimes. Does anybody remember Pastimes in Cambridge? So I went to this place called Pastimes and they had a medieval chess set. I thought, perfect. We'll all collect money and we'll buy him a chess set and they can keep that to represent and remember his 30th birthday. I actually found out later that he didn't play chess and he would have preferred the Canterbury Tales by Chaucer. My bad, I got that one wrong. But I have so many happy memories here in Cambridge. We have boxes, literally boxes of photographs, of mementos, and that's why you haven't seen a photo of Steve with his bald head as a monk, because it would take me so long to actually find the photos in the books. But I have been promised one. Somebody from the first service did say that they have got one. So look out for that one. I'll, I'll show it for you. Over the years, our little clan of four that you saw became five and then became six when Katie joined us and as part of the family now, marrying Josh two years ago. And soon there's going to be seven because I'm going to be a... I still don't know what to call myself. <laughs> Grandula seems to be quite popular in my house, but I don't think I'm going to go for that one. But we're so excited that actually our clan is growing. But, you know, I want to go back to when we first came here in Cambridge because it took a little while to unpack when you come somewhere new, it can take a little while to unpack, not just physically, but to unpack and become part of the community, become part of what's happening here. I found it, it took a while to find my purpose as a wife and a mother and a friend and a leader. Because you see then and even now, whatever I do, I want to do it to the best of my ability. I want to be the best wife that could possibly be to Steve. I wanted to be the best uh, mother to my children. I wanted to be the best friend that I could possibly be, the best leader. And so I put my expectations on myself of how I could do that. How could I fit into this community? How could I be a part of it? And I remember that I was thinking about this as I was preparing to speak today, and I was sifting through all the memories. And I remember one very clear time going into the garden. I was hanging up the washing, I remember I didn't have any extended family around. I didn't have hardly any friends. They were 
still working out this northern lass that has northern words every now and again. My mum was German, so my accent isn't quite as strong as other northerners that might be here in this church. But they were working me out, and I was still working myself out in this situation. I remember hanging the washing out in the garden, and God speaking so clearly to me. I said, I see you. I see you. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. He said, these days are preparation days for the future. What I invest in you now, you will bring out into a future. This is preparation. Keep close to me. Keep close to me. You know, and I began to take God literally in that and wanted to grow my relationship with him become more and more dependent on him and less and less dependent on the people around me. Because you see, I became more and more aware of a revelation that when you're his child, when you're God's child and you know it without a shadow of a doubt, you can call anywhere home because you know whose you are. You know who you belong to. You know that you are a child of God. And a home can be, that place become a place where you can belong. Home is a place to belong. In the natural, home is a place where you belong. So I want to say to people here today, people who might be on the edge, people who might still investigate in this church, who may have just moved into this city, welcome home. Because you can find a home in this place. When you know that you're a child of the living God, the child that lo- a God that loves you, you can find a place to belong and you can call that place home. So for many of you, I'm saying welcome home today. This is the place for you to settle. This is the place for you to be. Because, you know, we all want to belong. We all want to be part of something. We all want to be part of a tribe or a group of people. We all want to be there in part of something. And sometimes we really feel that we belong and we're part of a group. But you know, other times, we all feel like this. Other times we feel like they are all in the group and I'm just a little bit apart and just not quite part of it. We can all feel like that. We can feel it when we walk into a room and sense they know each other so well or they seem so relaxed but I feel just a little bit, I'm not quite part of it. You know, that's something that's going on internally inside of ourselves. I really believe that we can belong because it's not just about the people around us. It's about what's going on in our own selves, in our own hearts, in our own minds. I've got a favorite author called Brené Brown and she's just bought a a new book out called Braving the Wilderness. And I read a review about this book and she addresses this issue. It says, Brown argues that what we're experiencing today is a spiritual crisis of disconnection. And she's introducing this book, Four Practices of True Belonging that challenges everything we believe about ourselves and each other. And this is what Brené writes. True belonging requires us to believe in, true belonging requires us to believe in and belong to ourselves so fully that we can find sacredness both in being part of something 
and in standing alone when necessary. That you believe in yourself and you believe that you belong to yourself so clearly that actually whether you're standing apart from the group or whether you're in the group, you feel that sense of belonging. It carries on. But in a culture that's rife with perfectionism and pleasing and with the erosion of civility, it's easy to stay quiet, hide in our ideological bunkers and fit in rather than show up as our true selves and brave the wilderness of uncertainty and criticism. But true belonging is not something we negotiate. It's a personal commitment we carry in our hearts. I want to add a little something to that and say we need to know who we belong to. We can belong to ourselves and fully accept ourselves when we fully know that we're God's child and he fully accepts us for who we are. Christ has given us all we need for life and godliness. So let's believe in the Christ in us. We can belong anywhere if we know who we belong to. Welcome home. Welcome home. You belong. You belong. If God has called you to this place, he wants you to be part of this place because he wants you to be in a home. God said that in the scripture we've got in the passage here on your notes, it says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have as many children share his glory. God wants children. God is a family man, and he wants children. He wants to have so many children that he can share his love with and share and, and see his children giving him glory, sharing in the glory in this earth, that we're his representatives here on this earth. He says, see how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children. And we really are. We really are his children. We really are. He really does love us as his children. God wanted a family, and we are his family. And God is pleased about that. You know, Jesus describes it as well. Jesus talks about family. There's a situation when he was speaking to the crowd and his brothers and his mothers were outside and they asked to speak to him. Can you imagine the disciple going up to Jesus saying, uh, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. You know, they want to talk to you. It's really important. They will need your ear right now. And Jesus' response was like, oh, quick, I better go and sort them out because they're calling me and they need me. No. Jesus' response was, actually, these are my brothers and my mother's and my sisters, we hear those who are in front of me, those that actually are actually, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. These are actually the people right now, the family, that I need to minister to because these people are the ones that want to do the will of the Father. These are the ones that are hearing the Father's voice. We have a common commonality between us because we have one father and these people right in front of me now need to hear this from me because this is a direct message from the father that wants to speak to his family and these are my family and we have that common bond together the spiritual family Jesus said those who hear the God's voice those who obey God's words then they are my brothers and my sisters you know that means that's me and that's you because we hear God's voice. In this place, we hear God's voice. We want to do God's will. We want to give him glory. We want to hear what God has for us in this place. So we are his brothers and sisters. We are Jesus' spiritual family. 
Isn't that great that we know who we are, that we're in a family, that we're in a natural family, but also we're in a spiritual family. And therefore, we can be there for each other as that spiritual family. It's a, a common voice that we hear. We have a family bond, and it's God the Father, and it's his voice that we hear, a spiritual family. You know, this last week has been at times of having a spiritual family and seeing it in action, really seeing it work. This last week we had a funeral here, and this was a sad occasion for many of the family. Not sad for Steve because now he's with the father and he's got no more pain and he's happy, but it was sad to see that he'd left two sons behind. But you know what really impressed me and what really spoke to me again? was the family, the spiritual family, the church family that gathered around them, visiting and praying and being there for him and being there for the family from now on. We had catering and support and, and, and prayers for this family, but ongoing relationship and friendship for them as well. A spiritual family that gathered around, that bond is so strong. That spiritual family bond is very strong. We also had a wedding yesterday, and we sat there as a group of C3 family, as we called it, as we took up three rows of the block together, and we all had a great time celebra celebrating that Decker and Claire got married yesterday. It was a really great, happy occasion to be at a wedding. You know, families, they laugh together and they cry together, they mourn together, and they celebrate together. And that's what's been happening in our spiritual family. But you know, it doesn't mean to say that Jesus did dismiss the natural family. You could look at those verses and thinking, that was a bit harsh. Jesus saying, you know, I'm not going to talk to my mother and my brothers and sisters because actually uh, this, is, this is my focus right now. It was, seemed a little bit harsh. But what does Jesus say about family and actually there's a really wonderful illustration and again the verses are here it says Jesus basically says look after my mum he's on the cross he's dying and these verses say he saw his mother his mother's sister and Mary Magdalene and Mary and Jesus saw his mother standing there besides the disciple he loved and he said to her dear woman here is your son and to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Isn't that beautiful that Jesus was concerned about his mother? That Jesus was actually wanting to make sure that his mother was taken care of. He was dying on a cross and he was wanting to actually make sure that she was being looked after. Family is important. God showed us that, that family is important. In fact, I'd say, especially when family is growing up, they are the key disciples, key place that we need to put, invest energy and time. Not to, uh, uh, that we don't put it anywhere else, but that's a key focus to put time into family, and particularly when our kids are growing up. I want to tell you a story that we had our Touching Heaven uh, prayer time just a few weeks ago, just the Friday before last. And uh, we have as a church, we have a goal that we would like to see a thousand people regularly coming to C3 on a Sunday morning. That's been an aim and a goal that we've had as a leadership team and we're spreading the word and we're wanting you to kind of join with us on that goal. Not because numbers are important, 
but because numbers, for every single number, that's a person. And that person has a name. And that person has a story. And we want more people to be part of this community. And we want more people to come through our doors to be part and to be able to experience this spiritual family. So we had on the walls over here and at the back and all the way around, we had lots of pieces of paper with two people on, a stick man and a stick woman, and they were all around the room, and they represented the 250 people that we were praying for to come and be part of our community to meet the 1,000 people every week. So I have family who actually I cheated a little bit because they don't live nearby, so they might, they might come and visit, but they're not probably going to be, unless you know, God wants to move them here, and you never know. But I decided this was my opportunity because I have family that are not Christian. And I thought, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. So I decided to put my younger sister, her husband, and my nieces and nephews on those pieces of paper, put their names down on the paper. That was Friday, Friday night. Great time, by the way. Really recommend coming to Touch in Heaven. Monday, lunchtime, brunch time. Becky had come to our daughter, Becky, the one who was looking very cute on the photo there. She came down from Bradford, and she was with us for the weekend, and we went out for brunch. And uh, we went to the Science Park, actually. If you've ever been to the Science Park, it's quite a good coffee shop there. I recommend it if you need a good coffee shop. It wasn't very busy either. And we had brunch, and the phone rang. And one of my other sisters, I have three sisters, had gone to visit my younger sister and the nieces and nephews, because they're still in half term. And the phone rang. And my sister said, Ruby, who's age nine, wants to speak to you. She wants to tell you something. So we put it on loudspeaker. She particularly wants to speak to Uncle Steve. Now, Uncle Steve is the vicar in the family. So anything religious, you know, it has to go to it. Uncle Steve needs to be aware of it. So we actually put it on loudspeaker. And Ruby, age nine, she told us that a son of one of the teachers came to her school and told them all about being a Christian and told them that he has a heavenly father. And he said to them about what it means to be a Christian. And she went home and she said to her mum, I want to be a Christian. I want to have a heavenly father too. And her mum said, that's okay. If you want to be a Christian, you can be a Christian. Get in. <laughs> and so she rang us to say, I'm a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Age nine. It's brilliant. I'm so thrilled. I'm so amazed. And I'm sure it wasn't just that one prayer from the Friday, but I'm sure that prayer kind of toppled her over the edge. And she's nine. You can make a decision at nine and you can stick at it for the rest of your life. That means that the next generation is moving faith forward. That means that she can be an influence in her family. And she, she's a, very much a chatterbox and a very clever girl. And she like talks and talks. They're not going to stand a chance in her family. <laughs> she even says to them, how are we going to do church, mum? And he's like... Hmm, that's an interesting situation. She's got the children's Bible out of the shed that her dad had, and she's been reading her children's Bible, and we sent her a children's devotion book, and I've got a photo of devotions for kids, and she's loving reading it. Isn't that amazing? That's so good. I'm just so thrilled in what God's going to do. You know, family is really important. Family is really important, and Jesus shows us that it is really important. 
in the natural and also in the spiritual. I believe that God saves households and we're in faith for that. You know, you become part of the family by hearing God's voice, receiving through Jesus Christ and becoming a child of God. We saw baptisms last weekend. Baptism is a sign that you want to be part of the family of God. You know, we want you to feel part of this family as much as possible. And we've thought of ways of how we can do that, how we can help you to, be, to get to know each other as part of the, the family here we call C3. And we've got a new initiative that we'd like to share with you. And I'm going to uh, ask John to help us to share this initiative because this is an area that he's really been spearheading and researching and working in. So can we welcome John to the platform? He's going to explain a little bit more. You know what I love about what Angie's been sharing with us this morning is that we can find a home in God's family. You know, I really resonated with some of the stories that Rhiannon and then Angie's been sharing because I moved, from came, moved to Cambridge about seven years ago. I'd been living in Ireland. And when I arrived here, I knew very few people. You know, it was only as I started to really get stuck into church, when I started serving, when I joined a Young Adults Connect group, that I started to build some relationships. It was only as I started to build those friendships that I started to feel like, hey, this is home. This is where I belong. You know, our heart is for each one of you to find a place here at C3 where you feel like you belong. You know, it's our heart to create spaces where you can be inspired, where you can be encouraged, where you can be challenged to go to the next level, where people can support you through the different stages of life. You know, one of the primary ways we seek to create those spaces here at C3 is through our small groups ministry. You know, our small groups are really of key importance to us. And they create this context for relationship to be built. You know, we call our small groups here uh, connect groups, and we base basically all we do in our connect groups on what we see described in the book of Acts. It says in Acts 5, 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. In the temple courts and from house to house, you know, we want to grow large and we want to grow small at the same time. We want to grow large because we want to reach as many people with the message of Jesus Christ as possible. But we also want to grow small because we don't just want to see people saved. We want to see them discipled into the fullness of having a personal relationship with Jesus. I believe that one of the best ways in which discipleship happens is through the context of relationship. It says in Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Connect groups really provide a place where relationships can be built and we can sharpen our faith with one another. And because of that, and because they're so important, we want to make them really accessible to people. But I know that only 22% of you are currently involved in a group. And that's sad because many of you are going to be missing out on some real life-changing relationships. And it's our heart to see that change. As Andrew was saying, we've been thinking about new things. And I'm really excited because I get to stand here today and announce that um, in January 18, uh, we are going to be relaunching our small groups ministry. 
So from January 2018, our current Connect groups are going to fall inside our new small groups ministry, which is going to be called C3 Groups. Now, someone came to me after I'd said this at the 9.30 service, and they said, well, I love my group. Um, I'm not going to have to stop going to that. Absolutely not. We've got some great groups at the moment, and you can keep going to your group. But we want to add to that. We want to see uh, more preach discussion groups. We want to see more Bible study groups. But it's also on our heart, and it has been for some time, to add interest-based groups. You might hear them called affinity groups in other contexts, but those are groups are really great for personal evangelism. They've got a clear evangelistic element. Such an easy invite to bring someone along to your sports group, your craft group, your you know, cooking group. You can probably be more creative than I am. So C3 Groups is going to launch in January 2018. It's going to meet around the concept of the free market model, and it's going to meet terminally. I've just said two words, and I'll try and explain them to you really quickly. The free market model operates around the idea of your life, your group. And it encourages people to uh, lead groups around areas that they're interested in, um, things they're probably already doing, or an area where they really want to grow or develop. We're also going to meet termly. So termly is not to restrict the amount of times when people can meet. It's just to provide a real clear place for people who are not currently going to a group to say, hey, I'd love to get on board. It provides a clear place for us to launch new groups. We believe we're going to need to launch new groups every term. And it also creates an easy place for you to run a curriculum for a term. So you might be doing something and say, oh, hey, I think our group would really benefit if we did something like uh, Robert Morris's Blessed Life or Brian Houston's Live, Love, Lead. You can do that for a term, and then you could go back to what you were doing originally. It's really our heart that people um, do things that are going to help them take the next step in their relationship with God. You might be wondering what these groups are going to look like. They're going to be really diverse. You might have a sports group. You might have a, a group that meets to discuss the preach. You might have a craft group or a group that meets to discuss a certain part of the Bible. And even as they're diverse, they'll probably meet in diverse places. People's homes, maybe restaurants, coffee shops, leisure centers, yeah, parks. It's going to be diverse. But they'll all contain three things. There'll be an element of casual fellowship because we believe that developing relationships and friendships are really important. There'll be an activity or discussion, and there'll be a spiritual component. It's really key for us that with C3 groups, God is placed at the very center. And we're going to do that by making sure there's an element of word, worship, or prayer in every group every week. The leader's going to be so intentional about making sure that um, God is placed at the center, because we want to be more than just a social group. We want to grow, and we want to disciple one another. So you might be wondering why I'm sharing that with you today. January is a little way off. Well, I believe that you have a real key role to play in C3 groups. And I want to invite you all to consider, will you step up and lead a group in the new term? You know, if we're going to make these groups as accessible as we'd like to, we're going to have to increase the numbers. And currently we have 17 groups, and we believe that we need to launch with a minimum of 30. So I want to encourage you, will you step up and lead a group in the new term. And you might be thinking, he's probably talking to everyone except for me. But I want to encourage you, don't rule yourself out. The great thing about free market groups, you can lead it in an area that you're interested in or an area you want to grow. So if you're just thinking, okay, I'd like to find out a little bit more, or maybe you're thinking, you know what, I've got the perfect idea already. 
I want to invite you along to our C3 Groups 101, and that's going to be our leader training. And that's going to be running in early December and again in January. So all I want to say then is keep an eye on your emails, keep an eye on social media, uh, keep an eye on the flyers you're going to receive over the next few weeks, because that's going to tell you all about how you can get involved with this. We've talked a lot today about the importance of finding a place to belong. I just want to finish by encouraging you that you know, when you step up and lead a group, you create a place for others to belong, a spiritual family for others to be a part of. So will you join us in the journey of creating places to belong as we launch C3 Groups in January 2018? Well, you haven't had a visual aid from me for a little while, so I thought, you know, you've been missing out, so I thought you, you need to have one. You know, I've been involved in a group for, for the last year that um, we started, and because I'd felt a little bit disconnected in relationship, and I felt that I wanted to be involved and, and get some friendships with some women that I could build closer relationship with. Um, and so we, we met, and we've met over the last year, we've met, we had a lawyer, we had um, somebody who was head of a CEO of a, of a charity and somebody who was starting a business. And, and we got together, people of influence, women of just different influence in different areas of society. And we took a book called Seven, Seven Deadly Sins of Women in Leadership. And we've taken a whole year to get through this book and we've discussed the chapter and we've got a, had a meal together and discussed the chapter and prayed for each other. But you know, more than anything, we've done life with each other. We've really got to know each other, and we've become friends for each other. We've become empty nesters, some of us, over that year. We've launched businesses. We've launched consultations, all sorts of things that have gone on. Even one of them ran as a local councillor in the area, and we've supported each other through that. But, you know, it really matters to get together, to actually build relationships. Because this example here is of these chairs. You can see that they're kind of back to back to each other and that represents that actually every single relationship if we took this as two people every single relationship whether it's marriage whether it's family whether it's friendship is either going towards disconnection or it's going towards connection every single relationship you're either moving closer together or you're moving further apart. And depending how intentional you are will be how close you get together. You have to commit to a relationship. You have to commit in order for it to get closer together. Every single relationship is either disconnecting or connecting. And you know why we disconnect? Because of fear we fear maybe they can't really love me the way I am or they might reject me or we just can't find it within us to actually give what we need to give to that other person but you know every single person needs to be loved every single person needs love and it's a bit like this glass empty at the moment we all have a capacity for love. We all have to have our love tanks filled regularly. And 
And you might be thinking that you're loving the person by what you're doing for them right now. But sometimes, and I'll put up, there's a few tools here of ways that we can love people. And some people, they love quality time and they'll spend lots of time with you. But actually, for you, you may, they might be spending so much time with you and talking and talking and spending time and having activities and building memories together. But actually for you, your love language might be if they'd helped you and actually sorted out the washing and bought some shopping in and helped babysat the kids and done something practical, that would have filled your love cup more so much more than what they were doing for you we can be giving and think we're loving but missing the mark i want to encourage you today to find out what does love look like for you but more importantly what does love look like for the people around you i have a friend who if i walk in with a bunch of flowers or a gift she doesn't feel that i've remembered and that i'm loving her but I know now that that makes her feel loved. Maybe if I'd find out about that guy with his chest set, maybe I would have done a better job of loving him through that. It's our choice to pursue the goal of connection because fear will keep us away from it. But you know, God says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of love power and a sound mind he has given us a spirit of love power and a sound mind we're going to worship with the guys here who are going to lead us in a song and i'm going to pray before we leave this place that god by his holy spirit will breathe a fresh spirit of love in this place by his holy spirit who is a spirit of love will come and enrich us all and refresh us.